0: What God has been doing in your life, please let us know. Email us at info at newlifemobile. We love to celebrate with you on what God is doing because God is on the move. Amen. 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 I mean, I'm excited about today, as always. I say that every Sunday, but I'm always excited. I'm excited every Sunday that I get a chance to come before you guys and worship with you guys. We had an awesome time of worship, and we are in our sermon series called Faith School Part Two. But before we get into that, uh, before we get into Faith School Part 2, man, this was an exciting week for Tamara and I, because Thursday, we celebrated our 10th wedding anniversary. (laughs) Yep, 10 years. We made it, and we're still alive. (laughs) 10 years of marriage this past Thursday, and it was uh, Thursday night, we were looking through our... our wedding pictures, our engagement pictures, and just old pictures and things of that nature. And we were looking like, do you think these people knew what was going, what they were about to walk through in the next 10 years? It's was like they had no idea what they would all been through, but I would not be, uh, that's not how I'm trying to say this. There's no other person I would rather do this life with than you. I'm so honored to be your husband. I love you very much, and this has been the best 10 years of my life. And I'm so thankful for you. And it's so funny. I think I've told you all this story before how we met. We first met, we got married in 2012. We first met in 2004 when someone at the church told me, hey, I met your wife. And you know, when people say stuff like that, you're kind of like, yeah, whatever. <laughs> and, uh, and sure enough, he introduced us after church service one Sunday. And he was like, hey, this is tomorrow. This is Mario. And we didn't speak for like a year after that. And uh, we just kind of went about our lives and ended up in the same circle of friends. And then our friends got married, and we were like the last two left. And, um, and we eventually we got married. We had Camden, and it's been a beautiful life ever since. It's been a, a faith journey for sure. I know we're in the faith uh, series right now, but this journey uh, in our life has been nothing but faith. And when I was thinking about faith, you know, Tamara and I, we had totally different backgrounds growing up, totally different experiences. We were both raised in the church. That was about the only similarity, is that we were in church, but everything else, life experiences, were totally different. And But when we got saved, we both got saved the same year in 2004 at the same church, in the same community of believers. So from, for 16 years of being in Baton Rouge at Bethany Church, we, all had, we both shared the same foundation, the same uh, teaching, the same everything. So it was easy for us when we came together to understand. But there was one thing that stood out to us is that we both had the same disciplines in our lives. And the reason being was that we came from the same environment where there was a big emphasis in our youth group. Our youth pastor, he was very big on discipline, discipline in the word of God, discipline in your devotions, Discipline and spending time with God, like, you discipline yourself even when you don't want to do it because that's when discipline kicks in is when you don't want to do it. But if you're not disciplined, when you don't want to do it, you're not going to do it. But that's why discipline is so important because it kicks in when you don't. It helps you do what you don't want to do, the things that you know you need to do. And discipline is so important. So this morning, guess what we're talking about? Discipline. But we're talking from the, from the standpoint of this is how you proof your faith, or you have faith proof, or your, your, your faith is proved by your discipline. So let's just open up in a word of prayer. Lord, we thank you for your word. It brings life. It brings encouragement. And I thank you, Lord God, for these next few moments that you give me the words to say that it falls on good ground. Open up our spiritual eyes and ears to hear and to see what you're saying today. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, man, I'm a person, I'm not I'm not big on hype at all. Like, I'm not a hype person. Like, there's not a lot that's going to get me excited. I'm just, I don't fall for hype. You know, what? I remember back in the day when uh, Popeye's chicken sandwich was the crave. I had it before the hype began. And I remember I, was, I got it one night, and I told tomorrow, I was like, I'm telling you, this chicken sandwich is the truth. I'm like, I don't know what y'all talk about this Chick-fil-A stuff. But this Popeye's chicken sandwich, I'm telling you, this is the truth. And she was like, it's not that good. And sure enough, about two weeks later, everybody, oh my gosh, Popeye's chicken. And I was like, see, y'all too late. I'm not getting on the hype train because I'm already there. It's already good. But I'm not a person that's big on hype, especially when it comes to Christianity. You know, hype does a big, this one thing that I've noticed about, you say, well, what does hype do? It plays with your emotions all hype does is just excite your emotions. It doesn't really teach you how to live. It doesn't really instruct you on what to do. It just plays on your emotions. And if I were to come to you this morning, we just been we just finished reading the book of Esther. If I were to say I'm going to preach a message this morning on you are anointed for a time as this. Everybody, oh my goodness, we about to and I and I would say I would say God has appointed and anointed you for such a time as this. That you will stand before kings and everything that you request, it will come past because God has anointed and appointed you for such a time. Everybody will be in here shouting, that's right, I'm going to make my request and it's going to come true. And everybody will be all excited and jumping up and down. But the truth of the matter is, that's not what the story is about at all. The reason that God anointed and appointed Esther for the time was not for her, but it was to save her people. It was actually for the people's benefit, not hers. But see, I can hype it and get you all emotional about you appointed for a time as this, but it just plays with your emotions, and it doesn't really do anything for you. But I'm a person that's like, I always want you to know, what do I do with this message? How do I live? And discipline is not a topic that is very popular. I get that. I understand that. So that's why I need you to bear with me this morning (laughs) and lean in, because I know this is not something that you just, oh, I can't wait to go to church to hear about discipline, because discipline is not fun. My, I know it's not fun, but it's good for you. Yeah. And if you want your faith to be proof and last and in, to endure, you need to learn how to discipline yourself in your faith. Yeah. Why am I here standing before of you? Because I've learned how to discipline myself in my faith. That's it. I'm, it's not because I'm so special. It's not because I'm so gifted. It's none of that all of us are gifted by God. He's given all of us gifts. But what separates us from doing what God called you to do is how disciplined you are. And if you can discipline yourself, tomorrow night's job is this. We want to strengthen you in your disciplines. You say, well, what is the job of the pastors? I want to strengthen you in your faith, but also strengthen you in your disciplines. Because we know that if you can strengthen yourself in your disciplines, you'll be all right. You may you say, well, I fell down. It's okay. But if you're disciplined, you'll know how to get back up and keep going. Because you're disciplined. And that is our heart's cry is to see the body of tri- Christ matured and disciplined. Because, you know, so many Christians, they walk through stuff and then they don't, because they're not disciplined, the little wave knock them out and you'll never see them again. It's because they're not disciplined. They don't learn how to endure. And you have to strengthen and mature yourself in your disciplines. So, and again, if you're watching online, the notes are on our app. You can follow along there. Or you can take notes yourself. But I want to read a scripture from you from 1 Corinthians Chapter 9, verse 24 through 27. First First Corinthians chapter 9, verse 24 through 27. It says, don't you realize that in a race, everyone runs, but only one person gets the prize. So run to win. So don't just run just to run, run to win. All athletes are disciplined in their training. They do it to win a prize that will fade away, but we do it for an eternal prize. And as an athlete, I'm telling you, I discipline myself in training. I don't want to go back to that life. That was a hard life, discipline myself, training, getting up when I didn't want to. But I did it to gain, earthly gain. But as Christians, we discipline ourselves to train ourselves for an eternal prize, like it says right there. We do this for an eternal prize. Verse 26, so I run with purpose in every step. How do you run with purpose in every step? You discipline yourself. That's the only way you can do it. the only way you can run with purpose in every step is to discipline yourself. I am not just shadow boxing. I discipline my body like an athlete, training it to do what it should. otherwise I fear that after preaching to others, I myself might be disqualified. Now for me as a pastor that is a huge that last point. I fear that after preaching to others, I myself might be, disqualified so as a reminder of a pastor to me it says I need to be disciplined because after preaching to you I don't want to years later come back and find myself disqualified because I didn't learn how to discipline myself you see you can start off strong you see, ever seen the races they run in a hundred meter dash and somebody gets out going real fast and then next thing you know they run out of steam or they run in the 400 and they get out too fast in the 400 and they think, oh I got this and then that monkey get on their back and they can't finish and somebody walk them down in the 400. Why is that? Because they, got, they, they didn't disqualify themselves, but they, they ran, and they didn't discipline themselves and train enough to have endurance to last. If you want to have endurance and faith to last to receive the eternal prize that awaits you, you have to discipline yourself. That's all Paul is saying here in this passage of Scripture. You have to discipline yourself to make it the long haul. I run with purpose in every step. Every step that you take should be full of purpose, but again, the only way you're going to do that is if you discipline yourself. Again, no one likes discipline, but we, likes the, but we like the results of what a disciplined life brings. No one, likes to be, no one likes discipline, but we want the results of what a disciplined life brings. What is that? We don't like to work out, but we love the results of what a person that works out body looks like. Oh, I want that body. Yeah, but you got to discipline yourself to work out. It ain't just going to happen. You have to discipline yourself. Ooh, I would love to learn how to do that. Well, it's not just going to happen. You have to discipline yourself to learn how to do that. I would love to learn how to to build an app. Well, guess what? YouTube, you can do it. You just have to discipline yourself to learn how to do it. It's like anything that you want to do that you want to be great at, you can do it. You just have to discipline yourself in the practice to do it. But it's hard. Discipline is hard work, and at times it seems like, and at times uh, to see the desires that you want, Discipline seems even harder, but a disciplined life is a life that is required to receive the eternal prize that we want and that we might not be disqualified. You know, one of the things that I love about Paul is this, is that God knew that before Paul was saved, but when he was Saul, he said, you know what? This is a devout man. This is a disciplined man. Yeah, he's persecuted in the church, but you know the characteristics and the traits of a disciplined lifestyle that he has? I can use that for my glory so while he was on the road to Damascus he says I need to call Paul for my service and so what he had an encounter with God changed his name from Saul to Paul and as a result he wrote two thirds of the New Testament because he lived a disciplined lifestyle even before he was used by God before he would first he was persecuting the church he thought he was doing the Lord's work but I said no you're not doing my work I'm gonna show you how to do my work when I convert you. But he used the characteristics of what he had as a person that was disciplined. God is looking for a person that is disciplined because he knows he can trust them. He's like, I can give you, I know I can put the responsibility on them because they're disciplined. And when things get hard, they're gonna fall back on their discipline to help them get through. Same thing with Paul. When he was uh, 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 shipwrecked and when he was in jail, He didn't fret. He started writing. You know why? Because he was disciplined. He was like, nothing is going to stop me from accomplishing the work that God has for me because I've learned how to live a disciplined lifestyle. Again, it's not easy. Our little daughter Camden. When she first was born, she was a joy, but she wouldn't stop crying. I mean, she would not stop crying And. The crazy thing was, we were married for two months when Camden, when, uh, when Tamara was, found out she was pregnant. And when she told her, I was like, you lying. I was like, we, we just got married. There's no way you, no, not 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 this quick. And she was, I'm telling you, I'm pregnant. And I was like, I don't believe you. And she took the pregnancy test, and it was, I was like, I still don't believe you. It's like, we need to go to the doctor's office. And so we went to the doctor's office on their first appointment, and then the doctor still really didn't say anything. And then she said, Am I pregnant? And she said, Oh, yes, you're pregnant. She said, Now do you believe me? I said, Well, I guess I do now. I I believe you. But when we got the, the first couple nights in the hospital, Camden was quiet. I was like, Oh, we got a good baby. Oh, she's so, oh, we got a good baby. But boy, that first night we brought her home, it's like her lungs woke up and she would not stop crying. I felt like the people were gonna tell us we can't call a hospital anymore because tomorrow was calling them. She won't stop crying. I don't know what to do. I was like, baby, you gotta stop calling the people. They're gonna block our number. <laughs> and we tried everything. We, everything they say not to do, we tried. Don't put them in a the car, take them for a ride, because if they get used to it, they're gonna like it. I did that. She cried the whole time during that. <laughs> I remember I was at, the, this is no lie. I was at a red light and she was crying so loud the people next to me was looking like, are you gonna do something about the baby? And I'm like, will you come take her? Because I'm trying, <laughs> I'm I, I wanna go to sleep. <laughs> I can't go to sleep, she keeps crying. But around six, seven months, she kind of stopped crying. And we said, you know what, we need to put her on a sleeping schedule. And so from seven months to now she's nine, we've every single night we've had Camden on a sleeping schedule. And now, when she's tired, she will come up and say, can I go to bed now? <laughs> it's like, we're we not saying that we're the world's greatest parents, but this one thing that we've disciplined her in is her sleep. And it's one thing that every child needs. You know what one thing every child needs, but they, never, they don't know how to tell you, is they need rest. Amen. When you see cranky children and they just—they they tired, <laughs> and you can't reason with the tired person. But one thing that we, we're proud of with Camden is this, is that we've disciplined her in her sleep. So even when she's tired, we don't have to tell her to go to bed. She'll come to us and tell us, I'm ready to go to bed. But we also realize in her, she's a strong leader at a young age. But with a person that is a strong leader at a young age, they need a lot of discipline because they feel like they know everything. And it will be to her detriment, which is a gift that God has given her leadership, it would be to her detriment as her parents if we don't discipline her right now at an early age. So now that when she gets older, she can flourish in the gift and it won't be a hindrance to her and others. So we discipline Like Camden, let's, let's learn how to read your Bible. So every day she wakes up in the morning, she reads her Bible. We don't have to tell her. She has a reading plan. She follows it. When we, she prays every day, she loves to worship. We, she cleans her room. She, and it's like we practice practicing different disciplines in her life now at an early age. So when she gets older, we can't say, well, she should know better. You know, one of the worst things I hate is going to the store and seeing parents yell at kids and they say, you should know better than that. It's like, well, did you teach them? Oh. Because how are they supposed to know if you don't teach them? It's like you yelling at them, you want to beat them in public. It's like, why are you embarrassing the child? They just don't know. And it's like sometimes it's obvious that the child just doesn't know. But you're supposed to know better than that. What did you teach them? You have to discipline them in the way they should go. That's the same thing with God. God wants to discipline us in the way that we should go. And there's a few areas of self-discipline. Now I'm talking about self-discipline. Now I'm switching it a little bit. These are some things in self-discipline that we all should divide. And there's millions of these that I could write down. I just put five that I felt like were so important to our everyday lives. The first area of self-discipline that we should all have is our devotions. We should be disciplined in our devotions. That means that if you miss a day or two, you know how to get right back on. It's not to say that you're perfect, but it says, you know what? I'm consistent in my Bible reading. I'm consistent in my prayer. I'm consistent in my time spending with the Lord. You watching online, be consistent and self-disciplined in your devotions. The second thing you need to be consistent with is your time. Be consistent in your time. You want the promotion on the job? Show up on time. You want the promotion on your job? Don't leave as soon as 3 o'clock hits. You know, some people, they got their bags packed, they got their purse on their arm, as soon as 3 I'm out. <laughs> and it's like, they out the door real quick. It's like, wait, wait, it just hit 3 o'clock. How are you out so quick? And it's like, they just counting down the time. As soon as 1.30 hits, oh, 3 o'clock, 3 o'clock almost here. I'm going to go ahead and shut it down. <laughs> See, yeah. y'all ain't right. Y'all y'all on the clock, watching the clock. Yes, yeah, almost three o'clock. I'm almost. It's almost time to go. And the worst is like you know you going to the store, and it's like you know they close at seven. You come in there at six fifty nine. We were at Target one time. I think I took and and we we it closed at eleven. We got there like six fifty. I mean ten fifty, and we were on the aisle looking for some candy or something. And the worker came there. And, He didn't say, he was just, and I was looking at him like, I see you, I know what time it is, I'm getting my candy and I'm going to leave, and then we were looking at some other things and he was following us around and then they didn't even make an announcement on the overcom. it was like 11, it's 11 o'clock, it's time to go now. I was like, okay, we'll, we'll get it when we finish her, thank you. You need to leave now. Like, sir, they got other people in the store still shopping. We're not the only ones in here. We're going to make our way over there. And tomorrow was like, let's just go. But me, I was like, I'm not leaving. Not until I get everything that I want. But when it comes to time, you have to be self-disciplined in your time. Because you know what I think about God and it's in, that God loves? is order. He loves time, timeliness. Like, when you're, when you're on time for things, it just shows that, hey, this is a person I can trust. It shows that you're trustworthy. I could depend on this person. Your boss could depend on you when you know you're on time. Sometimes don't leave at 3 o'clock. Just stay a little bit longer. It's like, well, what i am staying for? You never know what could happen. The boss could walk up and say, hey, guess what? I've noticed you stayed a little bit while. You know what? I like that initiative that you're showing. I'm going to give you a little bit more responsibility. It comes with a raise. Oh, thank you. You never know. But if you always leave leaving right at 3 o'clock, you never know what can happen. I've spent enough time on that. Let's move on. So your devotions. Be self-disciplined in your devotions. Be self-disciplined in your time. Be self-disciplined in your actions. What is this? Do you take responsibility and are you responsible? Are you responsible for your actions? Or are you, oh, it's always somebody else's fault. Well, the reason I did this is because they did this to me. It's like, but do you take responsibility for your actions? That is a character, a self-discipline. Because it's easy to point the finger, well, I wouldn't respond it that way if you didn't respond like this. So that's why I did it. No, no, no. Just take responsibility for your actions. Are you responsible? This is a big one. The fourth one, your cleanliness. Your clean, cleanliness. What is this? This is your home, your car, your workspace. It's hard to find peace when there's chaos everywhere. You know why people like spas? You ever think about this? Because the environment is peaceful, it's clean, it's quiet, it's serene. You can think. But have you ever been in a place that's chaotic? You can't think. You think about what is all this noise? What is going on? Why don't they turn it down? And why don't they clean it? It's like you can't, when it's chaos, you can't think. But if you ever walk into your clean bedroom, you're like, ah, oh, I can, oh, this feels nice. Light a little candle. Oh, this feels great. But when your room looks like it's been hit by a tornado, you, oh, I'm not going in there. Mm-mm. I, you go everywhere else but there. Why is that? Because you can't think straight. But when your home is clean, your car is clean, and, and everything around you is clean, it brings peace, it brings order. You can think clear. But when there's chaos everywhere, you can't think straight. And Tamara, she always jokes with me, I don't like anything in my car. Like Anything. So if you go in my car now, there's nothing inside my car. I, I just, I don't like clutter. Like, if you bring a cup, are you going to get that cup? You're going to take it with you? Thank you. Like, don't leave anything in my car. I just, I like it to be clean. And there was a, at a back in Baton Rouge, I had a friend that every time he got in, his mission was to try to find my inside of my car dirty. But he said, I can never find nothing dirty inside here. Because it's just something that I practice, that I discipline myself in, and I learned it from my dad. He's always washed his cars, he always took care of it, and it's just a discipline that I picked up and says, you know what, I want, it brings peace to me when I get inside the car and I know it's clean. It's like it just feels like it rides better when it's clean. But just taking care of your stuff. And the last thing, and this is one that people might not think about that is a self-discipline, but it is. Do you celebrate the wins? Do you celebrate the wins or do you always look at the failures or look at the negatives? Some people have a practice of they can, they can bypass every win, but always go straight to the negative. And it's like, oh, you did a great, yeah, but I could have did better. Oh, you did such a great job. Yeah, but it, mm, it wasn't that good. I could have, you know, and it's like, you try to encourage them, but they bring it in the negative. It's like, no, can you celebrate the wins? That takes a self-discipline to say, you know what, I know it's like I'm going to find a win in something. I know it may feel like nothing is going, but I'm going to find a win in something. Why? Because that brings encouragement. It brings hope. It may, it helps you keep moving forward. But if you can never celebrate the wins, you never want to move forward. If you never want to step out again. So if it's something that you tried for the first time and you can't celebrate the win, that you say, you know, I'm not going to do it again. Why? Because you don't know how to celebrate the wins. But it's a self-discipline that you have to teach yourself. I'm going to find the win in something in all the midst of this chaos there's one thing I can celebrate, and I'm going to find it. So what are the areas of self-discipline? Your devotions, your time, your actions, your cleanliness, and celebrate the wins. Amen. Amen. So now we're going to move forward, and we're going to spend the bulk of our time here. These are three areas to prove your faith. Three areas to prove your faith. The first one is this. The, way to, the first way that you prove your faith is to be obedient. Be obedient. Be obedient to who? To the Holy Spirit and to authority. Obedience helps develop convictions. A conviction is a sensitivity that has been established by the pain, the weight of a fear of consequences, or a knee-jerk reaction that just screams no. So when you feel those things, that is a conviction. When you feel something on the inside of you that's screaming no, that's God trying to develop a conviction. a conviction inside of you that says, when you feel this, no. <laughs> and so when you feel that, you need to to, to build build a, a self-discipline or a confidence that says, or obedience that says, I'm not going to do it. Yeah, no. When I feel the Holy Spirit tugging at me and I feel a strong no, don't go against it. I'm telling you from experience, I've gone against it. It don't end up good. <laughs> it don't play out well. <laughs> I remember one time in particular, um, I was invited to go to Hawaii for Christmas, all paid for. And I'm like, Hawaii? For Christmas? And it's paid for? I think I might, tell me a little bit more about this trip. And so I was finding out about the trip, and as excited as I was, I felt the Holy Spirit tell me, no, don't go. And I was like, "Uh, I mean, we talk about Hawaii. And it's free. Like plane ride rooms, everything. is. I'm like, I mean, come on, God. I mean, this has got to be you. I mean, you said you will provide all my needs, and all my needs, they've been provided for. But the Holy Spirit was like, no, don't go. And it's like, as much as I tried to reason with myself, you know, like when you know something is wrong, but you're trying everything in your mind. Let me, how can I spend this? How can I make it seem like it's the right thing to do? And I, was, I did it. And I reasoned with myself that it was a great idea to go. And it was the best, worst trip of my life. The best trip because I got to experience it. It's the worst trip because when I got home, I got fired. Because the trip was only supposed to be a week long, but it ended up being two because it was an issue with the airlines and, our, and getting off the island. We ended up going to like three, four different islands, which was, again, you got to see it. But at the same time, when I got back, I lost my job because I was only supposed to be gone a week. But I was gone two weeks. And so when I got back, the only thing I could say was the Holy Spirit told me no. And I went against it. And it never ends well when you go against the obedience of what the Holy Spirit has spoken to you. If you know the Holy Spirit spoke a no or a yes, you better do it. And quickly. Don't try to delay and try to reason in your mind because it's always going to backfire. I I know. It's going to backfire. So if, if if the Holy Spirit quickens the knowing you, don't try to well. Why God? Just say, okay. No, don't try to reason. Don't try to understand. Just go with it. Be obedient. Obedience helps establish boundaries. When the Holy Spirit and authority helps you to establish boundaries, it's our responsibility to practice self control and to be obedient to set boundaries. You know, self control is a big part of your self discipline. That's one of the fruits of the spirit i read it to you. Galatians 5, verse 22 to 23 says, But the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. There is no law against these things. Self-control is a big part of your obedience and your self-discipline. Self-discipline will help you. Uh, self-control will help you create boundaries. And when there's boundaries in place and you feel like, and I get it, you set boundaries in place, your emotions, your feelings, everything will come against you and say, like, go against those boundaries. Just, just do it. Go against it. But your self-control has to kick in. If you say the Holy Spirit's inside of you, there should be some self-control inside of you as well because there's a fruit of the Spirit. So you can't always blame, well, I just felt like this. Was, no, have some self-control. I didn't, and I saw the result of that. So you know what I said? I'm not going against the Holy Spirit. Because I see how this ends. Even when I feel strong. like, man, I really want to do this. But the Holy Spirit kicks inside of me. I say, you know what? I need to practice some self-control in this area and stop making the same mistakes. Amen. A lot of times we make the same mistakes because we don't have any self-control. Amen. Why do you keep falling in the same traps? No self-control. Going against those boundaries. When there's boundaries in place and the Holy Spirit has called us to obedience in the area, practice self-control. It's a fruit of the Spirit. You can't say you don't have it. If the Holy Spirit is inside of you, you have it. Practice it. Put it into action. Self-control. Stop blaming others. Practice self-control. Proverbs chapter 25, verse 28. A person without self-control is like a city with broken down walls. What does that mean? There's no borders. That means the enemy can come in and attack, can do whatever they want to. There's no protection. There's no what? There's no self-control. That's what the word says. When we are obedient, it marks out a clear path for us to follow. It's no guessing if it's a right or right path or right decision. The Holy Spirit leads us into all truth. So you can, this is one thing that you could take 100% to the bank. If the Holy Spirit is telling you to be obedient in a certain area, you can mark it that this is the right path for you to take. You don't have to second guess. Should I, is this the right, it is the right decision. If the Holy Spirit speaks to you and you know that it's the Holy Spirit and they're calling you to be obedient, you don't have to second guess. It is the right decision. It is the right path for you to take. Now, what goes on along that path? I don't know. <laughs> it could be some heartache. It could be some trials and tribulations. But guess what? It's still the right path. Yeah. It's still the right path. You say, but it's, I thought it was supposed to be easier. Well, who said that? Who lied to you? Because <laughs> I don't remember Jesus ever saying that. I never, I never heard Jesus say, "Follow me. It's going to be easier." You know what he said? Follow me and sell everything you got. <laughs> Do what? Follow me. Just, just stop what you're doing and come follow me. That don't sound like it's easy at all. But what it is? it's the right path. It's the right obedience leads you to the right path, and it leads you to all truth. John chapter 16, verse 13, it says, when the Holy Spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. He will not speak on his own, but will tell you what he has heard. He will tell you about the future. You want to be know about the future? You want to lead in all truth? Be obedient to what the Spirit has spoken to you. Amen? Amen. Second area to proof your faith is to learn to wait. Learn to To wait. Oh, we don't like that. I told you, discipline is not an easy topic, but it's going to help you. Learn to wait. Waiting is a timing thing. Timing is everything, and waiting helps you with your precision on when to make the perfect move. I've learned in my life when things don't go the way that I thought they should or in the time that I thought they should, then obviously God has something better for me in his timing. I don't know when his timing is, but guess what it's my job to do? Wait. Wait. We don't like that because we feel like I got to make something happen. (laughs) Well, since this didn't work out, then that means I got to work a little bit harder because I got to make something work out. No, no, no. Just wait. Because God could be trying to perfect something in your character that helps you get something even greater than what you were expecting for. But he can't give it to you if you don't wait. You have to learn to wait. And to trust God and allow him to perfect your character while you wait. You know, tomorrow and I, I mentioned before, we we got saved the same year. We both felt the call to ministry. But even when we felt the call to ministry, it was years later before we were actually doing what we felt like we were calling to, called to do. And in that time, God had to perfect some things out. And, and we didn't say, well, God... I, We've heard the call. You said you was going to call us to ministry, and it's not happening at this church. Let me go to this church and find out how I can do it at this church. We didn't just jump ship and say, it's not working out here. Let me go somewhere else because I know I'm called. I know I'm gifted. I know I'm anointed. I heard the voice of God. We didn't just jump up and leave. We said, we're going to wait until God opens the door because God's timing is perfect. God, you know, you could do the right thing at the wrong time, and it'd be the wrong thing. Yeah. You could do the right thing at the wrong time, and it'd be the wrong thing. Why? Because of timing. And God is saying, wait. Just wait. Learn to wait. Waiting means I do it without the noise of complaining, without causing friction, and wanting everybody else to be miserable because my big moment has not yet landed. You know, sometimes when people wait, they want you to be miserable while they wait too. If I'm going to suffer, everybody's going to (laughs) suffer. Just learn to wait in patience. Learn to wait in peace. While you wait, learn to worship God. Build a heart of gratitude, a heart of thankfulness. God, I thank you that even though I may not know the plan right now, I thank you that you're perfecting it and you're working it out in advance for me. So I thank you while I wait. Learn to build a heart of gratitude, a heart of thanksgiving, and when the door is open, it's not just going to be cl- it's going to be clear, and all things will align perfectly. There's things that we could we could look like tomorrow night we could look back at our life right now that we could see. Oh, I see why X, Y, and Z happened because it helped develop us for right now. But back then we couldn't see it clearly. But as time got away, you can look back and you could say, Oh, I see why. So now I see why God was making me wait. He was trying to do x y and z but if i didn't wait i would have never went through that process and i would have uh tried to circumvent what god is doing and i would have missed out on something great because i got impatient and i couldn't wait god is saying just wait if you are believing on the promise of god you watching online just wait for it believe god trust god do what you're supposed to do that He's called you to be obedient to but wait i remember tomorrow was telling me a story that uh when she was in college, everyone, they had to get an internship. That was part of her. uh, She was a communications major. And everybody was getting internships at like CNN and Atlanta and getting uh, internships everywhere. And she was like, I'm the only person that doesn't have an internship. What am I going to do? And time is running out. And if I remember correctly, you were in a building talking about it, a work study, and a lady overheard her talking and said, oh, my brother works at the news station. I'm sure I could talk to him, and he could get you an internship. And she could really? And sure enough, the lady talked to her brother, got her the internship, and she started working at the news station, and she got paid. And just, what was that? She thought time was running out, but God was like, I just needed you to be in this situation so I can open up this door for you, and you can walk right on through it. Now, you don't have to do anything. You just have to walk through the door that I opened up for you. It was his timing. His timing is everything. You just have to wait and say, God, I'm waiting for you to open this door. And when he opens the door, walk through it confidently. Yeah. Walk through it boldly. You say, but what if he doesn't go the it out? Of the-? It don't matter. He opened the door for you. Walk through it. And if he opened the door for you, guess what? He'll be with you to walk through whatever you have to walk through yeah. through that door. Yeah, that's so that's why I know even though God has opened some doors that I thought, yes, yeah, this is great. And then he said, wait a minute. this ain't- no. I thought this was <laughs> supposed to be a good door. This don't seem like a, a good door that you opened up for me. I was looking at like Ashley's uh, uh, testimony. She said, it seemed like when I got baptized, I started serving the Lord. Everything that could go wrong, it went wrong. Like, what, God, what you doing to me? You playing a joke on me? No. I'm trying to persevere you. I'm trying to help, allow you to trust me. I want your faith to grow deeper in me. Even when you walk through difficulties, it's hard. But when you discipline yourself in these things that we're talking about, guess what? You'll make it through. And you will receive the eternal prize that awaits you at the end. Because that's all we're talking about is how to discipline yourself to receive the eternal prize that waits for you at the end. The enemy knows that there's an eternal prize that waits for you. So what's he going to try to do? He's going to try to stop you along the way. We're reading about Job this morning. Oh, Job's got everything. Of course he'll bless you. Take everything away. He'll curse you. That's what we read that this morning. And God says, okay, you can test him, just don't kill him. And he took everything that man had, and he said, the Lord giveth, and the Lord taketh away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. In a moment, it said four people came to him, back to back to back, telling this man, your sons, your daughters, gone, all your animals are gone, all that you lost everything. In a matter of about a minute, this man lost everything, and he still didn't curse the name of the Lord. He kept his integrity. Why? Because he's like, yes, the Lord gives and take away, but he's still a good God. He's still a faithful God. I know this is hard, and we saw that it was hard. His friends were like, You did something, boy. You need to just go ahead and curse. Goodness, some rotten friends he had. But the whole point was, God was trying to perfect something. And he disciplined himself and said, You know what? I'm going to worship through the pain. I've learned how to discipline myself, and I'm going to wait on the Lord for Him to turn this thing around. And guess what? He did. He turned Job's whole situation around and restored everything that he lost. He'll do it for you, too. You have to discipline yourself to be obedient and to wait, though, because there is an eternal prize that the enemy is going to try to do everything he can to keep you from receiving. So he's going to bring discouragement. He's going to try to bring um, all types of things your way, sickness, loss, anything you could think of. He's going to throw it at you to try to discourage you from receiving the prize at the end. But that's why it's so important that you have to discipline yourself. When tough times come, I know how to persevere. I know how to discipline myself as an athlete to walk through these things because I know the enemy does not want me to receive that prize, and that's what. I'm not just running just for a prize. I'm running for an eternal prize. Amen? Amen. Learn to wait when the answer is clear but still pending. What does that mean? I I, I think this is what I should do but I don't really know. Wait. Make sure it's fully clear before you walk through that door. Because there's been things I was like, oh, that's God. And I didn't consult him again and walk through it. I was like, oh, that wasn't God. I should have waited. Make sure that it's fully God before you walk through it because he's going to make it clear. Never make a hasty decision if you're not clear. Meaning I, a hasty decision is this. I, uh, the deadline is coming up. I need to make a decision. This is what I'm doing. God, either you jump on board with me or not. I'm, I need to make a decision. Uh, the time deadline has come, I'm doing it. Don't be hasty. Just wait. God will work it out. Proverbs chapter 9, verse 2. Enthusiasm without knowledge is no good. Haste makes mistakes. The message translation says, ignorant zeal is worthless. Haste makes waste. Learn to wait on God even when things are out of your lead. When things are out of your league, wait on God and don't. When you don't know how to resolve it, what is that out of your league? That means things that are out of your control. When things are totally out of your control and you know there's nothing I can do, wait on the Lord. Just wait. you can't change it anyway, so you might as well just trust the Lord and wait on Him. And this is when health issues, your job situation, when people around you make you uncomfortable. Oh, come on now. There could be people on the workplace. You're like, get this person away from me. God, you see they are thorn in my flesh. Please remove this person out of my cubicle. Please move them out of my department. Wait on the Lord. <laughs> he will renew your strength <laughs> to help you endure the uncomfortable people around you. But even in that, God can use them to work something out for your good. You just have to seek him about it. Amen. But don't be hasty and make decisions. Well, I'm going to get them fired. I'm going to make up something. No, don't do that. Just wait on the Lord. The third thing, this is the third and final thing. So the first thing that we do is we learn how to proof your faith is we learn how to be obedient. Second thing is we learn to wait. Third and final thing is we continue to press forward. We continue to press. How do you proof your faith? Continue to press forward. And what does this do? This creates muscle memory. When you continue to press forward, it creates untapped areas of potential. We could be so focused on what was opened up for us that we overlook what God is wanting to create for us. God is trying to create something new inside of you. You just have to keep pressing forward to find out what it is. But if you never keep pressing forward in God and in faith, you'll never know the potential that's inside of you because you stop. But the moment you keep pressing forward, there's things that God will unlock on inside. I didn't know that gift was here. I didn't know that I could do that. Why? Because you kept pressing forward. But if you stop when difficulties or trials come, well, see, I tried it your with God, it don't work out. Then you'll never unlock the potential and the gift things inside of you that He wants to unlock because you stop pressing forward. Keep pressing forward. Pressing forward helps create new habits. When you are forced to create, you unlock destiny. The key that you want is found in your press forward, pressing forward. The things that you want in your future are only going to come if you keep pressing forward. Yeah. Everything that you're hoping and believing for in God will only happen if you keep pressing forward. Yeah. Just because you hope and believe for it, don't mean you're going to receive it. You have to keep moving forward in order to receive it. Yeah. But faith requires action. Yeah. And when you put your faith in action, you know what it's going to do? Keep you moving forward. If your faith is active, I know a person's faith is active because I see them moving forward. I know a person's faith is not active because they stop moving forward. They stop coming to church. They stop coming to prayer. They stop hanging around believers. They go back to old patterns of ways of life. Why? Because they stop pressing forward. They got discouraged. But when your faith is alive and active, you're going to do everything that you can to keep pressing forward. Oh, we got life groups starting up in September. Guess what? I'm going to be a part of that because I'm pressing forward. I need to be surrounded by a body of believers. I need to do everything that I can. The reason I'm standing before you is because I just kept pressing forward. There's other people that probably could have been in this place, but they stopped pressing forward. I don't know. This was God's plan for my life. What's God's plan for your life? What door has God opened for you that he's waiting for you to push the door open if you just keep pressing forward? Because if you don't, you know what he's going to do? He's going to give it to somebody else. He's going to give it to somebody else that says, well, Susie doesn't do it, but Jill, she's keep pressing forward. I'm going to give it to her. You just go ahead and through that door because you keep pressing forward. She stopped. It's an eternal prize we're waiting for. You got to keep pressing forward. Amen. Amen. Philippians 3.14. I press on to reach the end of the race and receive the heavenly prize for which God through Christ Jesus is calling us. He's calling all of us, y'all, to receive a heavenly prize prize i want you to re- more than anything i want you to he- receive your heavenly prize the only way you're going to do that you got to keep pressing forward but you can't do that if you don't discipline yourself discipline yourself to keep pressing forward i mentioned earlier as an athlete i'm telling you i've in the batting cages hit thousands and thousands of baseballs over my lifetime Thousands of thousands of baseballs, and what makes a great hitter is when you can immediately self-identify what you did wrong. Like, it's one thing where you can say, hey, can you watch me to see what I did wrong? But when you are taking batting practice, and you, like, even before you finish the swing, I could tell what I did wrong before I finished my swing. And I said, throw it again, and then the next time I can hit it the way that it's supposed to, because I've practiced so much, and I've created muscle memory. The more muscle, it's like now I hadn't swung a bat in over a year, but I guarantee you, you give me about 10 swings and I can get back in the groove. Because I've practiced it so much, I've done it so much, I've created muscle memory that I've created good habits. But also, you could create bad habits. Just like you could create good habits, you create bad habits. How do you create good habits? Keep pressing forward. To eliminate all the bad habits, you have to keep pressing forward to create New habits. So all the, when I was taking batting practice, all I was doing was all, erasing all the bad habits that I created. I said, you know, I need to create new habits. So now, I, I could, like I said, you give me, a bat, I, give me 10 swings, I'll get back in the groove. I've created so many. It's the same thing with God. How do you correct good habits? I'm going to get in my word. I'm getting back in the groove. I'm getting back in prayer. I'm getting around a community of believers that's going to encourage me. I'm, getting, I'm coming to Sunday service. I'm, I'm creating good habits, and I'll keep moving forward. And the things of God, you have to discipline yourself because that's the only way you're going to keep moving forward. Proverbs 24, 16, the godly may trip seven times, but they will get up again. The godly may trip seven times, but they will get up again. Why? Because they keep moving forward. They keep pressing forward. Nobody said you're going to be perfect. When did I once say that you were going to be perfect? Never. But I did say this, discipline yourself so if you do trip seven times, you know how to get back up and keep moving forward. Discipline yourself. The reason you can't get up again is because you haven't disciplined yourself and you don't know how to get up. People that don't know how to get up is people that don't know how to discipline themselves because they get down and I don't know what to do. I, I mean, I, I don't, I don't, they don't know what to do, so they run. But if you've disciplined yourself, you know exactly what you need to do. You know what? I stopped reading my word. I need to get back in the Bible. You know what? I stopped praying. I stopped believing. I stopped trusting God. And you discipline yourself when you get off. All discipline does is help you know when you get off a little bit, it's like when you're driving in the car and you know they got the little lines on the road and, yeah. oh, I need to get back right. (laughs) I need need to get, I'm falling asleep. I need to get back right. What it, that, that's what discipline does. When you get off, it's, and eh, no, oh, I need to get right. That's like what discipline Think of it that way. When you were driving down the road, the next time you hit that, how's my discipline? Am I right? I need to get, <laughs> do I need to get back right? That's all it is. is discipline helps you get back right when things get off. Yeah. When you feel, why am I discouraged? Why am I sad? Why, why do I feel like giving up? Whether my discipline has been off, I need to get back right. Yeah. Because those moments will come. And when they do, when you discipline yourself, you know how to get back on course. When you keep pressing forward and discipline yourself in your faith, you'll be strong and you will have faith to speak, all the things that we talked about. You have faith to speak, faith to walk, faith to see, and faith to believe, all because you've learned how to discipline yourself and keep pressing forward. But if you don't do it, you know why people don't do it? Don't find strength because they're not disciplined. It's funny. There's my favorite team is the Atlanta Braves. That's baseball team. That's my favorite team, and they have a player that last year he got arrested and suspended, and a couple of days ago he just got suspe- he got arrested again for a DUI, and after all this clears up, I'm pretty sure they're probably gonna release him, and it's a person with a lot of potential and a lot of talent. But he could discipline himself in baseball, but off the field, he don't know how to discipline himself. So because he hadn't disciplined himself, the great reward of being paid multi-millions of dollars, he's about to lose that privilege. If you don't discipline yourself, the reward that's waiting for you, you won't receive it. And you won't find strength for yourself. Because really what you're doing is you're self-sabotaging yourself. So any time anytime I tell myself these words, and everybody in this room and you watching online, you say this too, I don't feel like it. When you hear that, I don't feel like it, you better talk to yourself real quick and get some <laughs> discipline and say, I, that's when I need to do it. Yes. Because it's real quick, to how quick is it to say I don't feel like it? Real quick. I need to go clean up. I don't feel like it. I need to know, I need to go run these air I don't feel like it. I know it's time for me to get up to go to work. I don't feel like it. Better get out of that I don't feel like it. Because I don't feel like it will cause you to lose your self-discipline. And it will lead you down a track that you're like, how did I end up here? Because you kept following I don't feel like it. I don't feel like it. That's a dangerous phrase to follow by because all it does is play on your emotions. If if that's the case, then why have self-discipline at all? You don't need it because if it's I don't feel like it, I don't need any discipline. That's why self-discipline is important because when you get the I don't feel like it, you know how to get back right. Amen. This is the last thing. I'm going to read the verse again and when we close, we're done. First Corinthians 9.24 says, don't you realize that in a race everyone runs, but only one person gets the prize. So run to win. All athletes are disciplined in their training. They do it to win a prize that will fade away, but we do it for what? An eternal prize. It's an eternal prize that we're running for, y'all. So I run with purpose in every step. I discipline myself with purpose in every step. Every step is not in vain. It's with purpose because I discipline myself. I am not just shadow boxing. I discipline my body like an athlete, training it to do what it should, Otherwise, I fear that after preaching to others, I myself might be disqualified. Don't disqualify yourself. I'm talking to myself. Mario, don't disqualify yourself. Discipline yourself. You want to receive that eternal prize? I'm telling you, do these things. Discipline yourself. Learn to wait. Be obedient. Keep pressing forward. Be obedient. Learn to wait. Keep pressing forward. Discipline yourself. You do those things, your faith will be proof, and you will receive the eternal prize that you receive at the end. Because there's an enemy out there that does not play fair, and he's gonna do everything that he can to distract you, to discourage you, to get you off to think in everything that you think about everything that you should, except what God has focused on your heart. He's gonna do all those things, y'all. This is what's gonna help you, not hype. Hype will just play on your emotions. Discipline is what you need. I know it's not a popular topic, but it's a topic that all of us need. We all need to discipline ourselves, and it's going to help you to mature yourself, where you can guess what help other people along the way. So when other people come in contact with you, how did you do it? I disciplined myself. Let me help you show you. Let me help you and show you what I've done to discipline myself. Because every time Jesus encounters someone. What's the next thing he said? He says, go and sin no more. But then he said, come follow me. Come follow me for what? So I can show you what to do so you could go back and show others how to do the same thing. That's all. We, at New Life Church, what are we doing? Helping you find Jesus so you can go back and tell other people how they can find Jesus as well. That's all we want to do. That's all I want to do as a pastor. I want to help you find Jesus. The best way to do it is to discipline yourself. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Holy Spirit, we thank you for this morning. I know this is not a popular topic. It's not an exciting topic to to cheer and shout. But, Lord, it's good for our souls. And I thank you right now that you would help us, Lord God, in the areas of self-discipline. I pray that this is not a condemning word. This is an encouraging word. This is a word to encourage us to say, I can do this. I can discipline myself. Lord, I thank you that I will receive eternal prize that awaits me at the end because i trust you and that i will keep pressing forward i thank you lord your word says that it's impossible to please god without faith but today our faith is being made proof our faith is being stronger our faith is being encouraged this morning that we will please you with our faith in every areas of our life lord i thank you for what you're doing in our hearts i thank you what you're doing in our church, Lord God, that you use a new life church as a place where people can come to find strength. Well, they, most importantly, they can find you because you're the one that turns situations around. You're the one that strengthens. And I thank you, Lord God, for what you're doing in our church and doing in our midst. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. You can keep your heads closed, your head bowed, and your eyes closed. And I'm going to give one final invitation for those in the room and those watching online. And if you're in the room and you're away from God and you want to come back to God or you want to have a right relationship with you you want to receive the eternal prize that awaits for you but the first step in doing that is you have to be in right relationship with God and I just want to give you an invitation just to receive Jesus in your heart this morning for whatever reason if you feel like I've fallen away from God but I want to come back to him maybe you served him but you want to come back I want to pray for you you're watching online this is for you as well but if you're in a room If you want to receive that prayer, you want to receive Jesus in your heart with no one looking around, I want to give you an invitation just between you and God just to lift your hand. And I want to pray with you. Just lift your hand across the room if you want to receive Jesus in your heart today. uh, If you would like to receive prayer. Amen. Amen. I'm going to ask everyone just to place their hand over their heart and just repeat this after me. Holy Spirit, thank you for saving me, for forgiving me. I thank you that in this moment that my sin is forgiven and I'm totally made clean. I thank you, Lord God, for the gift of life, the gift of salvation that only you can give. And today, I stand that I will follow you all the days of my life. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Come on, y'all. Give a hand clap for those that made the decision to follow Christ. And if you're watching online, you made that decision. You can uh, comment in the comment section. Let us know that you made that decision to follow Christ. We love to follow up with you. And if you're in the room and the seat back in front of you, there's a card that says "Let's Connect." Fill that out. On the back side, it says, "I made a decision." Drop it in the offering bucket during our offering time, and we love to connect with you. Amen. Amen. before we let you go online, if you're prepared to give, we'd love to invite you this Wednesday for prayer, 630. We will be in the building. Invite someone, come with us. We'd love to, for you uh, to be in the building with us. Also, invite someone to come to church with you next Sunday at 10 a.m. We'd love to be with you, meet with you in person in the building. Come worship with us. I promise you'll be encouraged with that. But if you're prepared to give, there's a couple ways you can do it online, and then we'll disconnect from you guys. You can go to our app, New Life Church of Mobile. You can download that app, you can give, or you can go to our website, which is newlifemobile.org, or you can drop in a check or money order with the address that's on our uh, website or our Facebook page. But let's pray for the offering for those online, and then we'll disconnect from you guys. Lord, we thank you for the tithe and offering that's coming in today. I thank you, Lord God, that you're blessing each and, pers- each and every person that's giving. I thank you, Lord God, that you're a God that's more than enough, that you provide more than enough for everyone, Lord God, that's given today. I thank you that you bless them, bless their finances, bless their families, bless their health, bless their businesses, bless every area of their life. Let there be no lack, Lord God, and I thank you, Lord God, that the blessing of Abraham is over their life. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Well, thank you so much for tuning in with us. Again, we love to worship with you this Sunday at 10 a.m. and also Wednesday at 6 30. We love you guys. Have a great Sunday. Amen.